2: everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. A lot going on. A whole lot. What do you say we jump in with both feet? Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump in the Rose Garden today. Mitch McConnell said something that uh, caught my attention about the 2010 and really 2012 Senate races, Republican nomination processes. There was one radio program that got involved in, what, about ten of them, Mr. Producer? And this was the radio program. If I don't say this, nobody else will. We were involved as outsiders fighting the rhinos and have been for a decade, long before anybody else. Some of these names you're hearing weren't even on the political radar. We have been with the Tea Party movement and helped lead the, and helped led the Tea Party movement for years and years and years. Not alone, obviously. We don't have a leader. Conservatives don't have a leader. We have people we support, people we encourage, but we're individuals, we're free thinkers. It's the grassroots that makes the difference. And the Tea Party movement Latter part of 2009, early part of 2010 was the constitutional conservative movement that, that grew out of years and years of George W. Bush and Rhino administration, massive spending and debt. Then the election of Barack Obama had an enormous impact. And it's never stopped. You, we, delivered a Republican House. You, we, delivered a Republican Senate. You, we, delivered a Republican President. That's some new movement that has difficulty defining itself. You did this. You didn't go away in 2010 and then just reappear in 2016. You've been at this for a long time. And I don't even mean necessarily as a doorbell ringing activist, although that's crucially important. You know what your sentiment has been for a long time. Small government, lower taxes, follow the Constitution, originalist judges, a strong national defense, and secure the border. These aren't new ideas. These are old ideas, and we've been talking about them since I've been on the radio. And we have fought the Republican establishment every step of the way. And I can remember, Mr. Producer remembers too, when I was kind of mocked. Oh, there's he, there he is fighting the Republican establishment. I remember when other radio hosts wouldn't even take on Republicans by name, who were elected in Washington. Isn't that right, Rich? Yeah, they never mentioned McConnell's name. They wouldn't mention Boehner's name. They wouldn't mention any of them. Any of them. Because they wanted them as guests or they wanted inside information or whatever it was. I can remember backing Matt Bevan in Kentucky against Mitch McConnell, and I didn't have any support whatsoever. Not from any websites. Not from any radio hosts, not from any talk show uh, folks on TV, not nobody. You can ask Matt Bevin that yourself. He's now the governor. Now, why am I mentioning this? Because Mitch McConnell has a funny way of rewriting history. Let me tell you the candidates McConnell opposed and supported before I get to his audio. In 2010, there was a Tea Party candidate, like him or not, a Tea Party candidate in Florida by the name of Marco Rubio. He was running against Charlie Crist. Charlie Crist, who now is a Democrat congressman from Florida. McConnell and John, Uh, what is the guy's name from uh, Texas? I can't remember his name. I put him out of my head. The senator from uh, Texas. Cornyn, exactly. I apologize. Who was running the National Senatorial Committee. They backed Christ. Mike Lee decided to take on Bob Bennett, who'd been in the Senate long enough. His father had been in the Senate, as I recall. Took him on in the convention process. I endorsed Mike Lee, as I had endorsed Rubio. McConnell was backing Bob Bennett. Rand Paul, in McConnell's home state of Kentucky, was opposed By McConnell. He was supporting Trey Grayson. These were all rhinos or worse. Two years later, Ted Cruz came up to me at the Value Voters Summit in the green room where I was eating a donut or something and asked me to support him as he was going to run for the Republican nomination of the Senate in Texas. I said I would support him. I also got him other people to support him. We spoke to Sarah Palin. We spoke to... uh, Sean Hannity, uh, and scores of others. Well, David Dewars, the lieutenant governor of Texas, was backed by the McConnell crowd. Rubio, Lee, Cruz, Rand Paul, and of course, Ron Johnson in 2010 was a Tea Party candidate out of Wisconsin. There's five. One, two, three. Actually, six. Six right there. This last time around, we had Ron Johnson on the show. Remember, Mr. Producer? He was not getting any backing from the National Republicans financially because they they wrote him off as a loser. They just figured he would lose to Feingold, and he won. Now let's listen to how McConnell tells history, standing next to the president. Cut one, go.
3: You know, the goal here is to win elections in November. Back in 2010 and 2012, we nominated several candidates, uh, Christine O'Donnell, Sharon Angle, Todd Aiken, Richard Murdoch, uh, they're not in the Senate. And the reason for that And was... by the
2: way, by the way, a lot of these rhinos who were nominated are not in the Senate either. They're not in the Senate either. Sharon Angle was a good candidate. She came within five points of defeating Harry Reid. And he writes her off as a kook. Richard Murdoch was a good candidate. And he was a good treasure of the state of Indiana. And words that he spoke were twisted. And, of course, they, they attacked him. Aiken was a poor candidate, but a very decent man. He was not the Tea Party nominee. And Christine O'Donnell, who I supported, knocked off Mike Castle, who was, in essence, Susan Collins uh, with pants. In each one of these cases, Angle, O'Donnell, Aiken Murdoch, the establishment sought to defeat them in the general election. The establishment sought to defeat them in the general election. O'Donnell had one hit after another out of the weekly standard, among other, uh, magazines and writings and so forth. They investigated reporter focused on her. Murdoch, even to this day, he was a very solid guy and a good candidate. But this is how they describe things. They didn't have a majority. And the vast majority of candidates running in the general elections weren't Tea Party candidates. They were Republican establishment candidates. And they still didn't take the Senate. But they blamed the conservative movement. They blamed the Tea Party candidates for not getting a majority. Harry Reid was always going to be tough to, uh, to defeat. Delaware was always going to be tough for Republican, other than the sellout. Castle. Missouri is touch and go, usually. And Murdoch was brutalized by the unions and got damn little support. You know why he got little support? Because he took on Dick Luger, who'd been there forever and was one of McConnell's best buddies. So McConnell was undermining each and every one of these candidates. So is the Rove machine and the rest of them. The rhinos were actually out to defeat these general election Republican candidates because, because they weren't one of them. And then he has the gall to mention them when he's standing next to the President of the United States. Go ahead, Mr. Producer.
3: Not able to appeal to a broader electorate in the general election. Uh, my, my goal is the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate is to keep us in the majority.
2: While you're doing a pretty damn poor job of it, pal. Go ahead.
3: Uh, the way you do that is not complicated. You have to nominate people who can actually win because winners make policy and losers go home. We changed the business model in 2014.
2: Well, isn't that fascinating? I heard that about Reagan every time he ran. And you don't know in advance. You cannot possibly know in advance unless it is a very lopsided state, who's going to win and who's going to lose. But he seems to know in advance who's going to win and who's going to lose. And yet, but for the conservative movement, but for the Tea Party movement, there wouldn't be a majority of Republicans in the United States Senate today. And six of the conservatives or moderately conservative senators I just mentioned to you also would not be in the United States Senate today. Go ahead.
3: We nominated people who could win everywhere. We took the majority
2: in the Senate. Oh, listen to this. He's taking credit. He's taking credit for the Republicans taking control of the Senate last cycle. McConnell. He's taking credit. That's not what happened. It's not that they nominated people who could win. It's that we wanted to change things. So we gave him the House again, gave him the Senate again, and gave him the presidency again. That's what happened. This guy's delusional. Go ahead.
3: We had one skirmish in 2016. We kept the majority in the Senate. So our operating approach will be to support our incumbents and in open seats.
2: No, 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 no. He wants to support. Here's what he's a liar, too. He's deceitful. He's supporting the incumbents because they support him for majority leader. That's what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. Go ahead.
3: Seek to help nominate people who can actually win in November. That's my approach. So,
2: he opposed Rubio. He won. He opposed Mike Lee. He won. He opposed Ted Cruz. He won. He opposed Rand Paul. He won. In the last election, he did nothing to help Ron Johnson. And he won. Now, you see, ladies and gentlemen, I have a different view. You support conservatives... For these seats. Because otherwise the Republican party stands for nothing. And in many states, the electorate, the electorate will have a choice between a nothing, a nobody, and somebody who stands for something. Also, you'll notice his mentality. His mentality is that conservatism can't win. Conservatism can't win. So his mentality again is, he knows in advance who can win. And who can win? The mush candidates. This is why McConnell must go. The United States Senate is not going to move. It's not going to embrace conservative principles. It's not going to embrace the Constitution. It's not going to deal with the debt. It's not going to deal with the border. The United States Senate is not going to move from its current position unless Mitch McConnell is thrown out. And this has been something I have supported for the longest of times. We'll be right back. Much lovin'. I pointed out Friday that President Trump did two huge things that are very, very important. Number one, he decertified uh, in the Iran deal. I think he should have done more. But that's still on the table. That is dropping the deal altogether. That was a big, big deal. He was lobbied by Tillerson against it. He was lobbied by the European leaders against it. And wisely, he said, well, if Tillerson's for it, and the European leaders are for it, then I'll go the other way. Which is exactly what he needed to do. Meanwhile, the Arab Gulf states were thrilled with what the president did. Israel was thrilled with what the president did. And Americans should be thrilled with what the president did. Iran has violated its deal with Obama. Material breaches on multiple occasions. It is a a horrific threat to our country. And the president uh, at his cabinet meeting today had this to say, cut, six, go.
4: I feel strongly about what I did. I'm tired of being taken advantage of as a nation. This nation has been taken advantage of for many, many years, for many decades, frankly. And I'm tired of watching it. But the Iran deal was uh, something that uh, I felt had to be done, and we'll see what phase two is. Phase two might be positive, and it might be very negative. It might be a total termination. That's a very real possibility. Some would say that's a greater possibility. But it also could turn out to be very positive. We'll see what happens. I thought the tone of the Iranian leaders was very modified. And I was happy to see that, but I don't know if that means anything. They're great negotiators. They negotiated a phenomenal deal for themselves, but a horrible deal for the United States. And uh, we're going to see what happens.
2: But Rex Tillerson, well, you know, he was on CNN yesterday, and he says, it's good that we stayed in the Iran deal. This is the weak link, the State Department and Tillerson. Cut seven, Go.
5: Uh, Before uh, the Senate uh, not long ago, um, your counterpart at the Pentagon, Secretary Mattis, was asked if he thought staying in the agreement was in the best interest of the United States. Not a question about whether or not he wanted to improve upon the deal or uh, add a secondary deal, as you just discussed, but whether or not the U.S. should stay in it or leave. And he said staying in it is his course. It sounds like you agree with that as well, that you would not want Congress to immediately impose sanctions that would end this deal. No, I do agree with that, and I think the President does
3: whoa, as well.
2: Whoa, 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 that was clever. That was clever, Jake. You want to stay in this deal, okay, and you do not want Congress to immediately impose sanctions that would end this deal. Did you hear that, Rich? So we've moved from the President abrogating it, that is dropping the deal altogether, to Jake Tapper now changing the test. We don't want Congress to immediately impose sanctions because the Iranians wouldn't agree to that, and that might kill the deal. So in other words, ladies and gentlemen, we have appeasers and sellouts in the media, in Congress, and in my view, quite frankly, in the administration, and the President had to reject all of them. The President had to reject all of them. The Democrat Party stands with Iran. And some of these, well, some of the officials in the Trump administration, same thing. I don't know how you can look at this deal. I don't know how you can criticize this deal when Obama enters into it. First, it violates the constitution and eviscerates the treaty clause. But even more, the Iranians have made clear they intend to attack us, right? What does death to the United States mean? And you know that they're, they're doing things on their military bases and they will not allow the IAEA, that would be the UN, to investigate. And there's a lot more. ICBMs aren't even, uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles aren't even covered by this deal. And I could go on and on and on. And here we have a Secretary of State with Obama administration holdovers, bringing in people who used to work for Corker and others. It's incredible to me. And then you have Jake Tapper with an incredibly dishonest, very, very, uh, well, I'll even call it sleazy question of the way he did that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I've asked the ambassador, to the United States from Israel to join us briefly. So we'll be right back.
1: Some people talk about the Tea Party. We are the Tea Party. Call in now, 877-381-3811.
2: Well, it's a great honor to have Ambassador Ron Dermer on the program. Let me tell you. My comments belong to me, so don't project them on to the great ambassador. He doesn't need those headaches. Mr. Ambassador, how are you, sir?
6: I'm fine. Thank you for having me on your show, Mark.
2: Well, it's a pleasure. Okay, you saw what the president did on Friday. What's your take?
6: Well, I think it was a historic speech. Uh, It shifted U.S. policy um, from a policy of containment, meaning containing a nuclear-armed Iran, to a policy of preventing uh, a nuclear-armed Iran uh... and i know a lot of the discussion over the last few days has been on whether or not iran is complying with the agreement and it's totally irrelevant because the greater danger of the deal was not that iran would get to the bomb by violating it but that iran can get to the bomb by keeping it because after a few years all of the restrictions that are placed on iran's nuclear program are automatically removed it doesn't matter if iran continues to be the foremost sponsor of terrorism in the world uh... it was a very bad deal uh... it essentially put the world Uh, The P5 plus one, all the international community, put us all, frankly, on cruise control heading over a cliff. And everyone is focused on whether the cruise control is working. And no one pointed out that there's a cliff ahead. And that's exactly what the president did. And I I give him great credit, Mark, for a simple reason. He could have kicked this can down the road. He could have said, hey, this whole thing is going to blow up eight years from now, 10 years from now, 12 years from now. Why do I have to deal with it? But I think he's making the responsible decision, and he's saying, I'm not going to steer – America, Israel, or anyone else off a cliff, uh, I'm going to steer this car in a different direction. And he's asking people to join him in fixing this mess and turning a bad deal into a good policy vis-a-vis Iran. And I think that's the right thing, and Israel fully supports it. Uh, The Saudis and the Emiratis fully support it. And when the Israelis and Arabs are supportive of something, people should pay attention. That's usually a pretty sound policy.
2: Tell America just how dangerous Iran is. Is Iran the greatest threat that Israel faces right now?
6: Oh, absolutely, but it's not just the greatest threat that we face. Uh, It's the greatest threat uh, that the Arab states uh, face, and I think it's the greatest threat, frankly, that America faces. Uh, You can have a debate about that. You have maybe a more urgent matter uh, in dealing with the problem of North Korea and its ballistic missiles. But Iran is a militant Islamic power. Uh, America is the great Satan for Iran. Israel's a little Satan. And Europe, I don't want to offend the Europeans, but they're just a the middle-sized uh, Satan. <laughs> but it's clear that um, that Iran has America in their gun sights. Uh, you know, for them, Mecca, the Saudis, their breakfast, they'd like Jerusalem for lunch, uh, and they want New York for dinner. And it seems crazy, but that's what this regime is. It's a crazy, fanatical regime from 1979. You know and I'm sure many of your listeners know the history of taking over uh, the embassy, of bombing the Marine barracks in Beirut, of bombing American embassies in Africa, of killing hundreds and wounding perhaps thousands of soldiers in Iraq with these IEDs. Uh, Iran is a great threat, and if you think Iran is a threat now, and you see that threat today, you see it in Iraq, in Kirkuk, facing the Kurds, You see it in Syria, you see it in Lebanon, you see it in Yemen, you see in Gaza. It's hard to find a place in the Middle East that's a problem, that that Iran is not the main problem or does not have Iran's fingerprints on it. But if you think Iran is a problem today, just imagine that Iran doesn't sneak in or break in, but simply walks into the nuclear club. And now you're threatened with a militant Islamic regime armed with nuclear weapons. That is going to be a grave danger to the peace and security in the world. And the president's speech is the first step. I think, in changing the direction of this whole policy, and I really applaud him for it.
2: I want to talk briefly about Hezbollah. Is, isn't Hezbollah sort of the, uh, the, the militant militia wing of Iran? And there was a report out the other day about Hezbollah actually has terrorist cells in the United States. What do you know about these things?
6: Well, I would say that Hezbollah is the foreign terrorist legion. Uh, of Iran, What they're doing, uh, not only taking over Lebanon, uh, they're working to help Iran and Syria. They're training Shia militias all throughout the region, um, and they have perpetrated terror attacks uh, in 25 different countries on five continents. And as the prime minister has said publicly, uh, they're also in your hemisphere. And some of senior American officials have talked about what Hezbollah is trying to do in terms of establishing sleeper cells to perpetrate terror attacks in the future, what they're trying to do right here in the United States. This is a very, very dangerous uh, movement, uh, and every effort should be made to stop them and to roll them back. And there's some tough financial sanctions that are coming down uh, the pike in Congress. It's important also to end this farce of a political versus a military wing that's all the same thing. Uh, It's a very, very dangerous and very well-trained force. We've already been in one round of conflict with Hezbollah in 2006, where they fired thousands of rockets at Israel, but today, Hezbollah is far more dangerous. In fact, they have firepower um, that is that is more lethal than most armies. And what we uh, are doing and we will continue to do is prevent that terrorist force from becoming stronger and stronger and getting all of these sophisticated weapons, which Iran is trying to uh, send to them through Syria. That's why Iran is in Syria. They want to establish a land bridge between Tehran uh, and uh, uh, Tartus, on the Mediterranean. That's what Iran is after right now, and everything should be done to stop that and to not allow this new Iranian curtain to fall uh, in in down in the Middle East.
2: And they're trying to, uh, by hook or crook, set up uh, bases from which they can uh, Hezbollah and others, and even the Iranians for that, from which they can do enormous damage to Israel, aren't they?
6: Uh, absolutely. And the Prime Minister has been very clear about his red lines. He's not going to allow. Iran to establish permanent military bases they're trying to do air bases and land bases and sea bases as I said they're trying to establish a port in the Mediterranean you probably have to go back to the time of the ancient Greeks to see the Persians with a port on the Mediterranean but it's not just uh, you know a traditional imperialist Persian power this is a militant Islamic regime that has a radical ideology and intends to export that ideology all over the world I know it sounds crazy But they believe in a lot of crazy things uh, in Iran. And the greatest danger to our world, my prime minister has been saying this for two decades, the greatest danger to the world is a militant Islamic regime that arms itself with nuclear weapons. That is the true hinge of history. And the reason why this deal is so bad is that it gave Iran a path to achieve that goal. All they have to do is wait. All they have to do is wait for the calendar to change. They don't have to change their behavior all they have to do is be patient. And if they are patient, they don't need to sneak in. They don't need a break in. They can just walk into the nuclear club. And as I said, I give great credit to the president for taking the stand now, for not kicking the can down the road against the advice of many of his own advisors, against the wishes of uh, your European allies. He's taking a stand against Iran and he's standing against the current. And I think it's probably the most admirable thing that this president has done, and I think the most important speech. And the question is, can we now all work together uh, to try to fix this mess and to get a responsible policy vis-a-vis what I think is the greatest danger to all of us,
7: Iran?
2: Well, that is a good question. Do you think we can all work together and quote-unquote fix this deal? I'm very cynical about this, but what are your thoughts?
6: I actually think that it's possible. Look, I don't think that you're going to get the Iranians to agree to anything. Why should they? They got the deal of the century. Why should they change it? I don't think you're going to get the Russians and the Chinese to agree to anything. The question is, can you do things in the Congress, and can you do things with your European partners um, that can correct the, the deficiencies of the deal? I think the president started that process with the speech that he gave, but he also said, in what I think, was the most important line of the speech. He said, if this thing's not fixed, I'm going to terminate it. And the president doesn't need Congress to terminate America's involvement in the deal. He doesn't need the Europeans. He can do it himself, and he can slap U.N. Security Council sanctions himself. That's the way the deal was constructed. He doesn't need Congress to terminate the deal. What he needs Congress for is to fix this thing. So I think the critical question is, will Congress and the Europeans work with the president at fixing it? And here's how they would do it, just to give you an example. One of the problems uh, of the deal is it, it doesn't address the whole problem of Iran's ballistic missiles. Now, Iran is building intercontinental ballistic missiles. And as you know, and probably most of your listeners know, uh, Israel's on the same continent as Iran. So those ballistic missiles, intercontinental ballistic missiles, they're not for Israel. They're not for the Arab. They're for, they're for Europe and the United States. And the question is, will the Europeans enact crippling sanctions if Iran continues its intercontinental ballistic missile program? Yes or no? I think you can move Europe to a yes. Another question is, will America insist that every single facility in Iran be subject to inspections? The Iranians have said, we're not going to allow for the inspections of military sites in Iran. Where do you think they're going to do do their nuclear research? Where they did it in the past on weaponization and other things has been on military sites. They're saying, we're not going to allow that. That's not subject to inspections. Well... The president can tell the Europeans, are you willing to publicly say that all sites in Iran are going to be subject to inspections? And if the Iranians refuse, that's a meaningful violation of the deal. That's another thing that I think he can achieve. And finally, this is the most important thing. I know we're getting a little bit into the weeds here, but this is the critical question. Can he fix the problem of the so-called sunset clause, which are when the restrictions that are placed on Iran's nuclear program are going to be automatically removed? There's no reason why those restrictions can be removed. Uh, should be removed, I should say. Can he find um, – can can action be taken in Congress and maybe with follow-up agreements with the Europeans to make clear to Iran that the United States and Europe will not uh, accept a nuclear-armed Iran today in five years, in ten years, or ever? Unfortunately, the Europeans right now are in a position of containment. They're willing to contain a nuclear-armed Iran, and okay, well, we'll stop them for five years, for ten years, but ultimately they're going to get nuclear weapons. The president is not there. The speech that he gave Friday hopefully will shift the whole policy of the international community to him, and I think that it's possible that he can do it. I I don't know if it's probable, but I think there's a path, and everyone who's concerned with the peace and security of the world should work with the president right now to turn a very, very bad deal into a good policy vis-a-vis Iran.
2: You know, Mr. Ambassador, we only have a few more minutes. I want to ask you about this containment idea. How could you contain Iran once it has nuclear weapons? That is, you know, even unlike North Korea, Iran is toppling regimes in 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 that part of the world. Iran intends to topple more regimes. Iran's ideology is extraterritorial. And with nuclear weapons, I'm not sure when we say the the Europeans want to contain contain what? Well, you
6: know what a lot of people say, Mark, is they say, look at the Soviet Union. They had so many nuclear weapons. They could have destroyed the United States. They could have destroyed the world, and they were contained. But I would ask those people to, to answer a simple question. How many communist suicide bombers do you remember? Uh, because every time the communists were faced with a choice between their survival and their ideology, they always chose their survival. That was the case in Berlin. It was the case in the Cuban Missile Crisis. You cannot bet the future of the world on the idea that a militant Islamic power will make the same choice. That is to endanger our children and our grandchildren on some great cosmic bet. I think it would be a very, very bad idea. What Iran intends to do is to get nuclear weapons and then underneath that nuclear umbrella to continue to export what, it's, what it calls its revolution, to dominate the world. I know it sounds crazy, but right now you have Shia fanatics fighting Sunni fanatics in the Middle East. And they're trying to determine who's going to be the king of the militant Islamic hill. But I can guarantee you there is no place in their world for Christians, for Jews, for Israel, for America, or for anyone else who does not accept their fanatic creed. And we all have to do everything we can to prevent such regimes, such militant Islamic regimes, from developing nuclear weapons. The other problems, you know, they're difficult, we can deal with, we're going to have to confront them, we're going to have to roll them back we cannot allow these regimes to develop nuclear weapons that's why we have to change what is a very very bad and dangerous deal
2: well we're going to have to go let me just say reagan rejected containment he wanted victory you know that whole détente mentality was about containing the soviets containing the soviets and he said no i want victory over the soviets i want that iron curtain to come down that's why netanyahu in many ways reminds me of reagan ambassador it's a great honor okay. i much appreciate yeah go ahead i'm sorry
6: I'm just going to tell you, you know, it's funny that you said that because when I heard the president um, speak on Friday, what I thought of, the first thing that came to my mind was the evil empire speech, which so many people opposed at the time, where all of uh, the European allies turned their noses up to it, uh, where even people within the Reagan administration was opposed. And I understand you probably know the history better than me that they took it out of the speech and then he put it back in the speech and they took it out and they put it back in. Uh, But I'll tell you um, who would influence. It influenced the dissidents who were sitting in the Soviet Union, men like Sharansky, who heard that Mm -hmm. speech and knew that finally you had an American president that was willing to confront evil. On Friday, I think the message that was sent in Iran, in North Korea, and to all your enemies around the world is that America has a president who is prepared to confront evil.
2: Ambassador Ron Dermer, you're terrific. We much appreciate you taking the time. Be well. Thank you. All right. God bless. He's remarkable, isn't he, Mr. Producer? I don't know about you in the audience. I could sit here and listen to him go on for a long, long time. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. What we're going to do with that particular interview with Ambassador Ron Dermer of uh, Israel... Is we're going to break that out. Mr. Producer is going to set it up as a separate audio. We'll have it on my Mark Levin Show website, and then we will link to it on Mark Levin Show Facebook and Mark Levin Show Twitter. Um, his explanation of the Iran deal and what the Iranians are all about is uh, second to none. So, uh, those of you who are interested, we'll put that out there for you, and you can also spread it around. I think it's very informative. You know, it's hard to believe that 2017 is almost over. Time doesn't stand still, you know. So don't waste another minute. Join AMAC now. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. It's the leading conservative voice for Americans age 50 and up. And they're resolved to continue their mission to restore America's moral compass. To make America a better place for our children. To save America from the left. As an AMAC member, you'll also gain access to a variety of exclusive benefits and discounts that will help you save money, from car insurance and Medicare plans to discounts on hotels and car rentals and much, much more. The benefits and the discounts, again, second to none. AMAC is the organization to join. A voice for conservatives in Washington, exceptional benefits. What's not to love about that? Join AMAC right now. Here's how you do it. Go to www.amac.us. That's www.amac.us. Or give them a call, uh, give them a a toll free call. 888-262-2006. That's 888-262-2006. The Association of Mature American Citizens, the benefits are great, but the cause is even greater. Join AMAC today. www.amac.us. Or call 888-262-2006. That's yes, what the president did respecting Iran and what he's done on Obamacare? You know, I really don't think a Jeb Bush would have done what he did. I clearly a Hillary Clinton wouldn't. So these elections do matter. They do matter. Brandon, 29 palms. On the Mark Levin app in California, how are you?
8: Good afternoon, Mark. Or at least in California, it's afternoon. You bet. Mark, I just want to say uh, I just bought uh, your book, and and I uh, just bought one for my dad uh, too. You know, we we really love you. We just bought uh, Rediscovering America, and Thank my you. dad and I are both uh, starting. and we, we 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 really love what you're doing. Well, you're very um, kind want to say mark uh, i've been a marine uh for about two years now i I first started listening to you when i was in quantico virginia i know you're pretty you're pretty you're not too far from there um but i just started listening to you and and i I got hooked what can i say (laughs) Um, thank you but tremendous interview with with the ambassador mark and i just want to say you know all of us in the marine corps you know we're ready you know we're ready to face the challenges ahead uh, Mark and, and we understand that the the, re, the realistic challenges that that are, we're facing, you know, pretty much in Iraq, it's really only the Kurds that are that are really fighting against. Yeah, and you know Iran. what? We're
2: turning our backs on the Kurds, and that's infuriating me, isn't it, you, Brandon?
8: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because those guys are they're real heroes.
2: See? They're heroes. They're the moderate Muslims we say we want and support. Brandon, thank you for your service. Don't hang up. Give that man a free CRTV subscription. I'll be right back. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, just to finish on this particular topic, because it does relate to us here, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was at a Krishna Media Summit yesterday, and our friend Brian at scoop captured his comments. And I think what he has to say is very important because nobody's talking about the persecution of Christians in Iran. Netanyahu is. Cut nine, go.
1: But today I want to focus on Iran's war against Christians. As you all know, Christians are brutally persecuted in the Islamic Republic. Pastors are jailed for no reason, no reason other than for being Christian leaders. Christians have been uh, lashed, You hear this? Christians have been lashed for sipping wine during prayer services. Christians have been brutally tortured for doing nothing more than practicing their faith. Now, some world leaders are willing to ignore this repression and seek to appease Iran, but I am not one of them. I think that how a country treats religious minorities is a very good indicator of how it will treat its other citizens and its neighbors. So today I have a simple request for the media outlets in this room. Dedicate this week to highlighting the plight of the countless Christians suffering under Iran. Profile the brave Christian leaders jailed for practicing their faith. Sit with the families the school teachers jailed for years merely for converting to Christianity. Call out the lie and the lies of President Rouhani who promised in 2013 that all religions would, quote, feel justice in Iran while so many Christians live there in constant terror.
2: Mm-hmm. So, Iran is a threat to all non-Muslim religions, and by the way, certain Muslims who don't practice as the regime compels. And of course, it's a major threat to the United States of America, which is why I bring this up. Which is why it's so, so important in my view. I want to get back to Mitch McConnell today. For those of you who may not have been here, plus I want to expand on this point, because it gets right to the heart of the matter. We constitutional conservatives who've been outside the Republican Party more than inside the Republican Party. Whether it's been Bill Buckley, Barry Goldwater, whether it's been Taft, Reagan, until after his third try who was able to get elected president by massive, massive landslides. The fact of the matter is, We've always been the outsiders in a party where we're supposed to be the insiders. And Mitch McConnell is the reason why. Not just him, but people like him. He wants to nominate people who can win. Let me ask you a question, ladies and gentlemen. Why couldn't the Republicans win a majority in the Senate until Ronald Reagan came along and swept them in on his coattails? Where they took over the Senate... From 1981 to 1987. Tell me, ladies and gentlemen, why couldn't the Republicans control the Senate before the Tea Party? Is this a joke? The Republicans now have almost 1,000 seats—local, state, and fed. Excuse me, state and federal state legislatures, governors, the House, the Senate. That they didn't even have before. Record numbers. It's not a coincidence that that occurred with the rise of the Tea Party movement and constitutional conservatism. It never would have happened. It never would have happened but for you. But for you. And I love the media reporting now, particularly the liberal media, (coughs) about this new effort to take on the establishment. It's not a new effort. It's been going on for half a century. It's not a new effort at all. Sometimes we're more successful than other times. Sometimes there's a different nomenclature attached to it. About ten years ago, I, I tried to highlight this point about the outsiders and so forth. I looked at Liberty and Tyranny*. we'll get to McConnell in a minute. Liberty and Tyranny, as you know, sold 1.4 million copies. It came out in 2009, early 2009, almost nine years ago. In the opening chapter, in the opening chapter, I talk about the neo-statists, and I view the neo-statists as the Republican establishment. And I'm quoting, some who claim the mantle of conservatism but are, in truth, neo-statists, who would have the conservative, the conservative abandon the high ground of the founding principles for the quicksand of a soft tyranny. Michael Gerson, formerly chief speechwriter for President George W. Bush, has written in his book, Heroic Conservatism, that, quote, if Republicans run in future elections with a simplistic anti-government message, ignoring the poor the addicted, and children at risk. They will lose, and they will deserve to lose. Gerson argues for a compassionate conservatism and faith-based initiatives in which the federal government plays a central role. Gerson all but ignores liberty's successes in the civil society in which humans flourish, even though he is surrounded in his every moment by its magnificence. So numerous are liberty's treasures that they defy cataloging. The object of Gerson's scorn is misplaced, Gerson does not ask how many enterprises and jobs might have been created, how many people might have been saved from illness and disease, how many more poor children might have been fed but for the additional costs, market dislocations, and management inefficiencies that distort supply and demand or discourage research and development as a result of the federal government's role. I go on. Columnists William Crystal and David Brooks promote something called national greatness conservatism. They co-authored an opinion piece in which they exclaimed that it does not despise government. How could it? How can Americans love their nation if they hate its government? But the way to restore faith in our government is to slash its flabbiness while making it more effective. Quote, unquote. And as I wrote in Liberty and Tyranny, the conservative does not despise government. He despises tyranny. And this is precisely why the conservative reveres the Constitution and insists on adherence to it. An effective government that operates outside its constitutional limitations is a dangerous government by abandoning principle for efficiency. The neo-status, it seems, is no more bound to the Constitution than is the statist. He marches more slowly than the statist, but he marches with him nonetheless. The neo-status propounds no discernible standard or practical means to him in the federal power he helps unleash, and which the statist would exploit in many ways is objectionable as the statist, for he seeks to devour conservatism by clothing himself in its nomenclature. And I took another look at liberty and tyranny, almost nine years old. Outsider versus insider. But for all this talk of America changing the world, this is in the self-preservation or foreign policy section, The status speaks not of American sovereignty, but global citizenship. He speaks not of America as a nation-state, but as one nation among many. Rather than maintain its superpower status and act in its own best interests, the United States should relinquish its hard-earned position in favor of multilateral power sharing and conduct foreign policy, including decisions about military action in its own defense, through coalitions and international organizations. In this way, America's interests are subsumed and contained by the supposed interests of the whole. And the rest of the world will look approvingly upon the United States for empowering other countries to participate in decisions about the United States. The status seeks treaties not to preserve and improve American society, but to commit the United States to a course of conduct that cannot be easily reversed with the change of administrations. Then I list many of the proposed treaties that were out there, including the Kyoto Protocol on Climate Change, and so forth. In each instance, decisions will be made through international bureaucracies that do not have as their moral imperative the preservation and improvement of American society. This is a dangerous gambit. So we don't need lectures by Johnny Come whately about Americanism, about outsider versus insider, We don't need lectures about globalism. In fact, you understand globalism better than anybody else. Globalism is not the Bernie Sanders view where you destroy capitalism and commerce and trade, which was the original reason the founders met in the first place. They met in the first place. We had a revolution over this. And then the framers met in Annapolis, and later they would meet in Philadelphia. They wanted to expand trade and commerce within the country, among the states, and yes, with foreign powers. We understand populism better than anybody else. We understand nationalism better than anybody else. Nationalism, in many respects, was being touted, as I pointed out, by Crystal and Brooks. Populism has been touted and still is by the Marxist left, in many respects, including Bernie Sanders, which is why you see this overlap when it comes to trade. Constitutional conservatism is the only way for individualism and individual liberty and societal liberty. It's the only way. Now i want to go back to Mitch McConnell. And when you hear him speak, ask yourself, does this man sound like he has any clue whatsoever about what's at stake? Cut one, go.
3: You know, the goal here is to win elections in November. Back in 2010 and 2012, we nominated several candidates, uh, Christine O'Donnell... Sharon Engel, Todd Akin, Richard Murdoch, uh, they're not in the Senate. And the reason for that was that they were not able to appeal to a broad... And
2: there are many, many rhinos who were running in 2010 and 2012 who are not in the Senate either. Despite all the money that Mitch McConnell put behind them. That's enough of that audio. And a friend of mine who was very active in politics and is in a very senior position, I shall not mention him, in Indiana, very senior position now, no, not the vice president, in the Trump administration, and I recall this too, Richard Murdoch defeated Dick Luger in the Republican primary. And the Republican establishment in Indiana and the Republican establishment in Washington, many of them endorsed the Democrat candidate, Donnelly, I believe his name is, openly and others behind the scenes. And the donors poured millions of dollars into his campaign. They went out to destroy Murdoch. Just as they went out to destroy Angle and destroy others. And the reason is, Mitch McConnell would rather have a Democrat in the United States Senate than a constitutional conservative. Because a constitutional conservative threatens his power. Because McConnell either wants to be the minority leader or the majority leader. And then he spins this tale. He spins this tale that he wants to back candidates who can win. He can't guarantee anybody can win. But that said, he and others went out of their way to destroy some of these conservatives in the very races that he's talking about. If Mitch McConnell had had his way, Charlie Crist would be in the United States Senate representing Florida. Bob Bennett, an old rhino out of Utah, would be in the United States Senate representing Utah. David Dewurst would be in the United States Senate representing Texas. Trey Grayson would be in the United States Senate representing Kentucky. No Rand Paul, no Ted Cruz, no Mike Lee, no Marco Rubio. And as I said, Ron Johnson was supported by the Tea Party in his first run, and in his re-election bid, which he won, McConnell and the Republicans would not back him. They wouldn't give him money that he needed to run, and he won anyway. So all these candidates that could never win according to McConnell won. And many of them are standouts, aren't they? Many of them are standouts. But it's even bigger than that. So devoid of principle, so devoid of our founding beliefs and values is Mitch McConnell and not just him, the Republican establishment, the elites in Washington DC. So devoid. They refuse to run on these principles, or if they run on them, they refuse to govern on these principles. And this is a point you and I have been discussing on this program for well over a decade now. It's the reason I wrote Liberty and Tyranny. Not just to address the left, but to address the so-called Republican establishment. And I can't tell you how many times I was admonished. You don't know what establishment means, your establishment, on and on. Now, now it's almost passé. Thomas Pase we outsiders, what we support is constitutional government. What we support is republicanism, little R that's what we support. We can disagree within those boundaries. we can have our debates, but those are the basics. those are the fundamentals I'll be right back.
7: March, love
2: I think we've hit a number of subjects rather thoroughly, which means it's time for you. A little bit anyway. All right. Let us go to Frank, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Mark, Mitch McConnell is a complete
4: and total fraud. So before I forget, though, I'm cooking two big, huge, beautiful ribeye steaks. And if you want to come by, I'll give you you some ketchup to put on them. You're a good and you're not even embarrassed. (laughs) I'm not embarrassed. Well, I mean,
9: I don't do it for myself, but for yes. you, I would do it.
2: <laughs> Thank you. It sounds good. By the way, I'm, <laughs> uh, now, now, I'm, now I'm now I'm now I'm slobbering like uh, Chris Matthews. <laughs> okay.
4: Hey, McConnell's a complete fraud. He says, "Oh, we, we're going to put people out there who are going to win." Well, what good does that do us? John McCain won, but then he stabbed
2: us in the back. Yeah.
9: We You're want constitutional conservatives.
2: And, and and I mean, and, and by, we don't and get by that, the way. And, and, and by the way, uh, look who keeps uh, undermining us on repeal and all these other things. Are these, uh, are these the winners he's talking about? Right. I mean, what good does it do us to have people who win if they
4: don't support constitutional ideas?
2: Well, I think we can win a lot more seats with constitutional conservatives. Look at South Carolina and Lindsey Graham. That's a conservative state, is it not? Yeah. And there's others, too. There's a lot of others. Look at John Cornyn out of Texas. John Cornyn might as well be elected from uh, New England somewhere. No offense, I'm, I'm but uh, he doesn't really represent Texas. That's right. All right, I, my friend, go ahead. I'm sorry.
4: No, I just I he never gets my vote.
2: But uh, you know, right? What good does it do? Now, why are you cooking two ribeyes? You cooking one for your wife?
9: Well, yeah,
2: but I mean, let me get something straight. Hold on now. So if I show up, you'll give me your wife's steak? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's very magnanimous of you.
9: <laughs> right.
2: How long have I'll, you been I'll married?
10: Give, I'll give I'll give her half of mine.
9: We're celebrating 40 years in, in
2: wow. uh, two, months, two months. Isn't that great? Well, congratulations, and thanks for listening, bro. I appreciate it. We, we have wonderful people like this listening to this program, and you know, lots of things have happened which have made it impossible. And I said I would come to Dallas the next time I do a book or something. I will figure out next year... And I don't have a book next year, but I will figure out how to come to Dallas, WBAP country. The uh, the station need not call me. We'll figure it out down the road. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back.
11: More logic than allowed by law. The Mark Levin Show. Call now
2: at 877-381-3811. I wish this bag under my eye would just go away. If that sounds like you every morning, you know you're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women. Until now. Introducing Genocell Serum with Plant Stem Cell Technology from Chamonix. Josie from Littlefield, Arizona wrote, I've been using Genesal for two weeks. And my husband is amazed. He says, all the puffiness is gone. Loves this product so much, I want to use it on my entire face. And with its instant effects, folks, you'll see results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Listen to that. Results in the first 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. Call right now to get double your order of Genesel for free. That's right, free. Call next 20 minutes and get a free two-month supply of Esotique RF. Chamonix Legendary Wrinkle Treatment, free. That's four free gifts. Call 800-SKIN-604-800-SKIN-604 or visit com. Double your Genesel order. Get the Deep Firming Serum and SOT free for a limited time. Order right now and get a surprise gift, also free. That's five free gifts, if you ask me. 800-SKIN-604-800-SKIN-604. That's 800-SKIN-604. I'll tell you what I really like. They have so much faith in this product, and they've had so much superb feedback in this product and all their products that they tell you if you don't see results with the instant effects in the first 12 hours, it's guaranteed to your money back. That's why it's called instant effects. I hope you'll check them out. All right. Let's see who's out here. That was a great call from Texas. Going to give me a ribeye steak? I mean, that's the way to my heart. Anton, Poughkeepsie, New York. The great W K I P. Go,
12: Mr. Levin. I just wanted to say thank you very much for all the hard work that you put in every day fighting the uh, the left-leaning narratives that are, you know, just permeating, you know, every aspect of American society. I listen well, to you, uh, you just about every. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, it's thank you. And that comes from Republicans too. I'm afraid.
12: Well, yes, absolutely. I go. Um, I'm currently going to school at SUNY New Paltz, in upstate New York, depending on where you uh, view the um, state of New York. But um, I'm currently getting my master's in the arts of teaching for secondary education and social studies. And wow. you know, it's just, it's never ending. The you know, but I, I keep fighting the good fight. I'm I'm not nearly as articulate as you are, but you know, I will. Uh, I'll keep fighting the good fight for you.
2: First of all, I bet you are, and secondly, you're going to be in a very tough world, and so you're 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 terrific patriot because you're going to try and teach uh at the secondary level the truth about American history that's all we ask isn't it anton the truth about American history
12: absolutely Mark. you know and that's the hard thing about it you know you can be the greatest patriot ever but to be um you know aware of it you have to realize our shortcomings in some areas and where we've done great things before you know it's mm-hmm. it's mainly america hating now and that's just not the true story of it but you know, I think back to my good teachers that you could never tell which way they were politically aligned. And then, you know, they let you get your own decisions from, you know, the evidence they gave you. And that's what it's all about.
2: Mm-hmm. Great call, my friend. Don't hang up. I'm going to send you a copy of Rediscovering Americanism. Uh, signed copy. I appreciate it. Hillary Clinton on CNN yesterday. Anton call uh, actually brought this to mind. Let's listen. Cut three. Go.
13: My view on this is it's a terrible mistake for Democrats or anybody to walk away from these core values and rights. We have to stand up for them and we have to do a better job, number one, of explaining to people, you are being snookered. You know what? The real threat to your future is a Now, listen, stop, stop it
2: up. The real threat to your listen to this, the real threat to your future is a government that doesn't care about you. Go ahead.
13: ...care about you and is taking actions that will make your life even harder and is favoring the wealthy beyond anything we've ever, ever seen before.
2: I have no idea what that means, favoring the wealthy more than we've ever, ever seen before. How is that even possible with these massive programs of redistribution? Massive entitlement programs. Massive welfare programs. Yet yeah, we're a country that so favors the wealthy that the world's poorest of the poor keep pouring over our border. Now, we are the most generous country on the face of the earth. That means you, the American people. So much money is being taken out of your paycheck. So much money is being taken out of your business to support people who, who need help and also the adults and the losers. Let's be honest. There are people who play the system. There's a lot of people who play the system. You're not allowed to say it because the welfare state is the uh, is the end-all and be-all of the progressive movement. But that's not even my focus. My focus is the real threat to your future is a government that doesn't care about you. What does that mean? What does that mean, a government that doesn't care about you? A government that's not spending enough, borrowing enough, redistributing enough? What does that mean? A government that isn't centralized enough, doesn't violate the Constitution enough, Isn't socialistic enough? What does it mean a government caring for you? What does that mean? Does the government care for us when we have open borders? Does the government care for us when it eviscerates the military? Does the government care for us when it eviscerates local law enforcement? Does the government care for us when it runs up over $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities and $20 trillion in fiscal operating debt? Does the government care for us when it puts certain businesses out of business because of climate change or whatever the fad is? Does the government care about us when it doesn't look at us, all of us, as individuals in a colorblind society, but supports the balkanization of this society? What is she talking about? What she's trying to say is either you embrace the radicalism of the radical progressives or you don't care about people. The reason I do not embrace it, and you don't, ladies and gentlemen, is because we do care about people. Because we do care about people. And along these lines, our friends at Newsbusters, uh, NBC's Today show this morning, The Secret to Happiness is Socialism. Cynthia McFadden and others. Cut 17, go.
13: For 40 years, Denmark has ranked as one of the happiest places on earth. It's not a coincidence that people are happy here. Here, no job is less than any other. Stop. Why are they
2: there? Why are they in Denmark? Because Denmark is socialist. But why are they in Denmark? Why aren't they in, say, California? Or New York? Or Illinois? Where the progressive experiment has gone so so beautifully well. Why are they in Denmark? What does Denmark have to do with the United States? We have almost no offense. We have almost nothing in common with Denmark. So this is propaganda. Go ahead.
13: Washington works just five hours a day, but earns the same as
2: a Is that a, is that what we want? You work five hours a day, but earn the same as a school teacher? Why should that be rewarded? Why should laziness be rewarded? Go ahead. On a scale of 1 to 10, how happy are you? I would say maybe
11: 8, yeah. yeah.
2: Ambition is not celebrated. Ambition Am- is not celebrated, so where do we get the life-saving drugs? Where do we get the men and women who volunteer to put their lives on the line to save other men and women? Where do we get... The advances in technology that improve the quality of life. Ambition is not celebrated. In a welfare state, ambition is not celebrated. Go ahead.
11: What you do, you're no better than anybody else.
2: Now, why is that? What you do, you're no better than anybody else? What are we, hamsters? What are we, snails? You mean every human being as good as the next one? I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen. I don't believe that's true. If we have an individual who has invented a life-saving drug and another individual who is in the business of dealing illegal drugs like heroin or what have you, no human being is better than the next, that's about as stupid as it gets. Go ahead. And while some studies show the average American clocks
11: in over 50 hours a week... Here on average, they work 37 hours. Mothers don't have to worry so much about child care. In Denmark, you get a year off
2: paid, paid. Why, why, why? Why should you get a year off paid by somebody else? You know what that means? Somebody else is paying for that. Somebody else is paying for that. If you have a child, isn't the child fundamentally your responsibility? Shouldn't you want your child to be your responsibility? not somebody else's responsibility if you want to have a child you should be prepared to take the time off to take care of the child or family members should assist this is really incredible go ahead there's a feeling here in
11: Denmark that nothing too bad will ever happen to you the Danes trust their government they pay
13: enormously high taxes Oh, the
2: Danes trust their government they pay enormously high taxes tell me how many things do the Danes invent They trust their government.
11: Go ahead. Jane is born with the right to free health care, free education through college, comfortable retirement. They're free to pursue a job that meets their passions and their interests.
2: And do you know why this is being pushed? I'm glad Newsbusters caught this, by the way. You know why this is being pushed by the media? Because it's about socialism. Socialism will make you happy, See, NBC's Today Show. Now let me ask you a question. These people who work the NBC Today Show, the main hosts of the NBC Today Show, earn $20 million, $15 million. Even the reporters earn hundreds of thousands, if not the low millions. Do you not find it pathetic that they're out here pushing socialism when in fact in their own lives they would have nothing to do with socialism? Does Matt Lauer say, I only want to earn whatever a teacher earns? I only want the kind of health care that everybody else has? Does Matt Lauer say that? How about Cynthia McFadden? Does she say that? When she's in contract negotiations, does she say, I only want to earn what a firefighter or a police officer earns? That's it. Nothing more. I believe in nirvana. And trusting government, isn't that amazing coming from the media? Isn't the entire purpose of freedom of the press and the First Amendment is we don't trust government and the media are supposed to be our watchdogs? The media are schizophrenic on this, right? They trash Trump, they trash conservatives, they even trash Republicans. When it comes to Obama, the Praetorian Guard, they protect him even when he's out of office. They protect the things he created, like Obamacare, like the Iran deal. But you're only supposed to believe in big government, you see. When the big government leftists are running big government. When anybody else runs it, you can't trust it. The Danes, they trust their government. We Americans are smarter. We're skeptical. We're cynical. Trust but verify. That's why we will outlive the Danes when push comes to shove. No offense. I'll be right back. (laughs) We have a governor's race here in the Commonwealth of Virginia, which is where I live and have lived for decades. And uh, the Democrat concerns me a lot. Now, we have invited... Ed Gillespie to come on the program. But his handlers don't want him to come on the program. That's up to him. That's up to him. If he and or his handlers don't want him to come on the program, then he will not be on the program. We're not going to ask more than once. Just saying. It's okay. Just saying. No, listen. I don't even like having a lot of guests unless I really think they're important. But, uh, We'll leave it at that. Where am I? Oh, just about a year ago, I made a major announcement to you right here, telling you about the upcoming launch of CRTV, Conservative Review TV. Well, since then, CRTV has grown beyond our expectations. We've added a tremendous amount of programming options to provide you with a strong, independent, pro-American television platform. Well, I have another announcement I want to emphasize that I made last week, but this is a big one. On October 30th, CRTV is launching a brand new show starring Phil Robertson from Duck Dynasty called In the Woods with Phil. It's terrific. It's terrific. Now, I don't need to tell you what a great guy Phil is. He's a true patriot, wholeheartedly believes in the Constitution, and always takes a strong stand for his values. This show will capture the best of Phil and include a fascinating mix of politics, outdoors, the Robertson family, and so much more. I think you should jump in on this while you can. Go to CRTV.com slash ducks. CRTV.com slash ducks right now to watch the must-see trailer and to pre-order In the Woods with Phil. You'll also receive a great discount. A great discount. That's CRTV.com slash ducks. CRTV.com slash ducks. We're thrilled to have him on with us. So uh, I see... Cabernickle Pickle has hired um that slip and fall lawyer whose name escapes me. Mark uh what is his name, Rich? Google it real fast. Uh who uh who is a Democrat hack, always has been a Democrat hack. I remember him from the Whitewater's day, Whitewater days. And you see the theory of the case it, Garagos, that's it, Garagos. I put him out of my mind. Mark Garagos theory of the case appears to be that uh, the teams are colluding to keep Mr. Cabernickel Pickle off the field. Maybe they're keeping him off the field because he sucks. I believe he had two wins in his last season. Two wins. But the second point is this. Collude to keep him off the field. He is an at-will employee. And I don't know if there's a Collusion going on. The left likes to talk about collusion all the time. But this guy really has a victim mentality, doesn't he? Poor, overpaid, multi-million dollar football player. So put upon by the system. So put upon by the system. And the cops. Yeah, they're taking a knee, these players, because of the cops. Because the cops, you see, have been uh, brutalizing people. Well, actually, it's the other way around. Mark, it's the other way around. CNS News has a big report today. 118 law enforcement officers died in the line of duty last year in this country. The FBI reported on Monday. That was up 37% from the 86 law enforcement officers who died in the line of duty the year before, 2015. So 118 law enforcement officers died in the line of duty last year, compared to 86 the year before. And these clowns are taking a knee. In 2016, 66 of the 118 deaths of law enforcement officers were felonious. And 52 were accidental. In 2015, 41 of the 86 deaths of law enforcement officers were felonious. 45 were accidental. Now listen to this. Another 57,180 officers were assaulted in the line of duty in 2016. And 16,535, or about 29%, sustained injuries from the assaults. So almost 60,000 cops were assaulted last year. And over 16,000 sustained injuries from the assaults. All of these numbers increased from figures reported in 2015 when 45 officers died accidentally. 41 were feloniously killed on the line due to the FBI said. A total of 50,000 assaults were reported in 2015. So you have over a 10% increase in assaults of police officers from 2015 to 2016. 62 of the 66 in 2016 were killed by firearms. 51 were wearing body armor at the time they were killed. And it goes on. And these clowns in the football stadiums are taking a knees because of police brutality. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not concerned about police brutality. It's not systemic. But I am concerned about brutality against the cops. And that does look to be systemic. I'll be right back.
1: In the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
2: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here. This is our 3, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want to play this again just to show you how lousy the media are. You really, just like Hollywood, you can't believe what they say. You just can't. You have to be very, very circumspect. So the NBC Today Show this morning, talking up Denmark. Cut seventeen, go.
13: For forty years, Denmark has ranked as one of the happiest places on earth. It's not a coincidence that people are happy here no job is less than any other. Alan Christensen works just five hours a day, but earns the same as a schoolteacher. On a scale one to ten, how happy are you? I would say maybe eight, yeah. yeah.
11: Ambition is not celebrated. No matter what you do, you're no better than anybody else. And while some studies show the average American clocks in over 50 hours a week. Here on average, they work 37 hours. Mothers don't have to worry so much about childcare. In Denmark, you get a year off Paid, paid. Paid. And there's a feeling here in Denmark that nothing too bad will ever happen to you.
13: The Danes trust their government. Yeah. They pay enormously high taxes.
11: Every Dane is born with the right to free health care, free education through college, comfortable retirement. They're free to pursue a job that meets their passions and their interests.
2: Now, Mr. Producer recalled that I read a piece a couple of years ago about the Danes by Kyle Smith, who was then working at the New York Post. Sorry, liberals, Scandinavian countries aren't utopias. This is January 11, 2015. One proof that the liberal social democratic society works looked at Denmark, the country that routinely leads the world in happiness surveys. It's also notable for having the highest taxes on earth, plus a comfy social safety net. Childcare is mostly free, as is public school, even private school, and you can stay on unemployment benefits for a long time. Everyone's on an equal footing, both income-wise and socially. Go to a party and you won't be surprised to see a TV star talking to a roofer. The combination of massive taxes and benefits for the unsuccessful means top and bottom get shaved off. Pretty much everyone is proudly middle class. Danes belong to more civic associations and clubs than anyone else. They love performing in large groups. At Christmas, they do wacky things like hold hands and run around the house together, singing festive songs. They're a real-life Whoville. In the American liberal compass, the needle is always pointing to places like Denmark. Everything they most fervently hope for here has already happened there. So why does no one seem particularly interested in visiting Denmark? Visitors say Danes are joyless to be around. Denmark suffers from the high, high, from high rates of alcoholism. In its use of antidepressants, it ranks fourth in the world. Some five percent of Danish men have had sex with an animal. Denmark's productivity is in decline, its workers put in only 28 hours a week, and everybody you meet seems to have a government job. Oh, and yes. And as the Telegraph put it, it's the cancer capital of the world. Notice all of this was missing from the Today Show on NBC this morning. So how happy can these drunk, depressed, lazy, tumor-ridden, pig-bunking bureaucrats really be? Well, let's look a little closer, suggests Michael Booth, a Brit who has lived in Denmark for many years in his new book, The Almost Nearly Perfect People Behind the Myth of the Scandinavian Utopia. The sky-high happiness surveys, it turns out, are mostly bunk. Asking people, are you happy, means different things in different cultures. In Japan, for example, answering yes seems like boasting. Booth points out, whereas in Denmark, it's considered shameful to be unhappy. Newspaper editor Anne Knudsen says in the book, Oh, there's more. Moreover, there's a group of people that believes that Danes are lying when they say they're happiest people on the planet. The group is known as Danes. Over the years, I've asked many Danes about these happiness surveys, whether they really believe that they are the global happiness champions, and I've yet to meet a single one of them who seriously believes it's true, Booth writes. They tend to approach the subject of their much-vaulted happiness like the victims of a practical joke waiting to discover who the perpetrator is. Danes are well aware of their worldwide reputation for being the happiest little Legos in the box. Answering no would be as unthinkable as honking in traffic in Copenhagen. When the author tried this once, he was scolded by his bewildered Danish passenger. What if they know you, Booth was asked. That was a big clue. At a party, the author joked, it typically takes about eight minutes for people to discover someone they know in common. Denmark is a land of 5.3 million homogeneous people. Everyone talks the same, everyone looks the same, everyone thinks the same. Yes, it is uh, utopia. Not. Not. Let's see, um, I want to move on. I want to move on. here we go. This is universally considered a feature, a glorious source of national pride in the land of humble brag. Any rebels will be made to conform. tall poppies will be chopped down to average. The country's business leaders are automatically suspect because of the national obsession with averageness. Shipping tycoon Muller, the richest man in the country before his death in 2012, avoided the national shame of being a billionaire by being almost absurdly hoi polloi. He climbed stairs to his office every day, attended meetings until he was well into his 90s and brown bagged his lunch. An American woman told Booth how when she excitedly mentioned at a dinner party that her kid was first in class at school, she was met with icy silence. One of the most Country's most widely known quirks is a satirist crafting of what's still known as Janté Law, the Ten Commandments of Buzzkill. It goes on. But guess what? It is one of the highest suicide rates. Isn't that right, Mr. Producer? It has one of the highest suicide rates. And in Denmark, you have to pay more for just about everything. Books are a luxury item. They're equivalent of the George Washington Bridge, costs $45 to cross. Healthcare is free, which means you pay in time instead of money. Services are distributed only after endless stays in waiting rooms. Pharmacies are a state-run monopoly, which means getting an aspirin is like a trip to the DMV. Oh, but we must love that sort of thing. The suicide rate is 50% higher than in the United States. And more than double the UK rate. Party guests, even at upscale gatherings, report that around 11.30 at night, things often get, take a flighty turn. Whatever that means. Whatever that means. All of this, and it goes on, I'm not going to read anymore, was left out of the NBC piece. I'll play it a third time because it is, it is instructive on many levels. It is instructive of where the media want to push the country. It is instructive of the dishonesty of the media, and it is instructive of the double standard. None of these people who work on the Today Show you know, staff from Matt Lauer down, none of them, want to be considered average, get paid what a teacher gets paid, or anything of the rest. It's all about you and I conforming to what they demand. So now you know more of the background. Now you know more of what's going on in Denmark and Scandinavia generally. you hear Bernie Sanders talk about Scandinavia, we ought to be like Scandinavia. No, we shouldn't be like Scandinavia. We would cease being America, which is really what they want. So a final time. Here was the NBC Today show this morning, uh, thanks to Newsbusters, which ignored every single fact that I just told you. Cut 17, go.
13: For 40 years, Denmark has ranked as one of the happiest places on Earth. It's not a coincidence that people are happy here. No job is less than any other. Alan Christensen works just five hours a day, but earns the same as a school teacher.:
11: On a, on a scale of one to ten, how happy are you? I would say maybe eight, yeah, yeah. Ambition is not celebrated. No matter what you do, you're no better than anybody else. And while some studies show the average American clocks in over 50 hours a week. Here on average, they work 37 hours. Mothers don't have to worry so much about childcare. In Denmark, you get a year off paid paid and there's a feeling here in denmark that nothing too bad will ever happen to you
13: the danes trust their government they pay enormously high taxes
11: every dane is born with the right to free health care free education through college comfortable retirement they're free to pursue a job that meets their passions and their interests
2: yeah there you go propaganda campaign We American, you know, we believe in individual liberty. We do believe in distinction between people. Equality under the law, equality and justice, but we're individual human beings with our own DNA. And while we unite as a country, we live our individual lives. That doesn't mean we don't believe in community. Obviously, even the most ardent capitalist, we have to have voluntary actions by others in order to be successful who work with us. But we're talking about two different things here. If you read my book, Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism, you'll understand all this. You'll understand it. Rousseauism, Hegelism, Marxism, where the individual finds his or her fullness and his or her reality through government. Through government. And the less different you are, the better. The more uniform you are, the better the more you conform to the demands of the state the better the more you trust the state the better and that's what's going on and so basically you have a country a country growing in zombies they're proud of their lack of ambition they're proud of their sameness is that where you would want to live ladies and gentlemen and alcoholism through the roof and suicide through the roof they don't sound very happy to me I'll be right back Much Lovin Actually, see this or hear this last night on Sunday Night Football. And millions of you did not. Some of you did. Al Michaels. I'm a big fan of Al Michaels. I think he is a true professional in an arena sports broadcasting that is less and less professional. There's a handful of them, and Al Michaels is one of them. And I've been watching him for decades. Just terrific. Absolutely terrific. I look forward to listening to them. Well, on Sunday Night Football last night, it was, uh, who was it? The Giants versus uh, who? Oh, Denver. Denver. And Al Michaels dared to say something that really wasn't that problematic. Cut 15, go.
0: I mean, Let's face it, the Giants are coming off a worse week than Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> and they're up by 14 points. Only my L.A. guy comes up with that well, one. You know, there I'm, you
1: go. All you have to do is read the papers. Any <laughs> paper.
2: Now, what's so terrible about that? It has nothing to do with Weinstein's likely criminal, sexual predation, and other activities. Nothing. He's saying the Giants had a horrific coming off a horrific week like Weinstein, and yet they're 14 points ahead. Big deal, right? There's nothing sexist about it, nothing misogynist about it. You want sexist and misogyny, you go to the left in Hollywood. That's where it is. It's all over the place. It's all over the place as they circle the wagons. You want misogyny and sexism, you go to the Democrat Party, the party of Ted Kennedy, the party of Bill Clinton, and all the rest of them. People I wouldn't, you know, like Clinton? I mean, I wouldn't want to be near that guy. He's disgusting to me. No offense, he just is. So big deal, right? Well, apparently, then they unleash attacks on Al Michaels. They unleash they unleash attacks on him on on uh, social media, like Twitter. And I assume some of the suits were whispering in his ear. Oh, you're in a firestorm. You, you, you better say you better back off. Better say something. And these guys, these good sportscasters, have to walk on eggshells now. If you're a leftist and you say leftist things, that's okay. You have a First Amendment right, even though the First Amendment has nothing to do with it. But if you're just a professional at what you do and you make a comment like this, which is perfectly fine, well, then something's wrong with you. And so here it went. Cut 16, go.
1: Back in Denver. Sorry, I made a reference earlier before. so I be a little flip about uh, somebody obviously very much in the news all over the country, and it was not meant in that manner. So, uh, my apologies. And uh, we'll just leave it at that.
2: Well, he didn't have to apologize, but I'm sure he was pressured. Because that's what the left does. They're knuckleheads. They're crazy. Crazy. The National Organization for Women waited five days to contem- condemn Weinstein. Five days, as did others. The Clintons, I don't know, did Bill Clinton ever say anything? No, not that I'm aware of. The Obamas waited five and a half days. But Al Michaels, with a joke that's perfectly harmless, go get him, get him, get the guy, get on Twitter, get on Facebook, get on there, hit him, hit him, get him, get him. And he didn't do anything. I'm sure media matters uh, for un-American, which in my view is a criminal front group because they, they pretend to be a charitable, non, uh, uh, what is it, nonpartisan organization when they are basically a a hack operation run by Democrats or worse, leftists. Al Michaels didn't do anything wrong here, do you think? No, I don't think so. All right, let's jump in, Michael, Woodbridge, Virginia, the great WMAO, go. Yeah, Mark, you stole some of my thunder by talking about
5: how homogeneous the population of Denmark is, and and it's a tiny. We're talking. Well, it's six hard to miss. People. That's less than the size of DC. Um, but yeah, what I couldn't get over. Can you, can
2: you stop? Well, I just want to ask you this, Mark. Did you hear that in the NBC Today Show report?
5: Oh, absolutely not. Absolutely no. not. No,
2: no, not a word.
5: I keep hearing him talking about the eight, and he's not a sure eight. He's like, well, maybe an eight. Is that a yeah. seven three? A seven five? I'm sorry, you work five hours a day, you get a year's paid vacation when your wife gets pregnant, and the best you can come up with is maybe an eight. After they went shopping for a socialist utopia, I'm Mm -hmm. coming off a 14-hour day, I'm self-employed, I'm worried about payroll and taxes and everything else, and by God, I'm a walking eight. Mm
2: -hmm.
5: So socialism is not the solution, apparently.
2: No, apparently not. Do you know anybody who's happy in these socialist regimes? No, they always want more. Have you noticed?
5: Well, and you'll notice they didn't select a socialist regime regime like um, Cuba. That would have right. been an interesting one, especially since we can fly there now. It would right. have been a shorter flight, too.
2: Takes it to the extreme, doesn't it? Absolutely. All right, my friend. Appreciate your call. Mark, Ventura, California, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hey,
10: Mark. Thank you for taking my call. I love, you, you love your show, by the way. Thank I you. I have a, a, a friend of mine who uh, I've... I, I know personally, but we're also on, on Facebook together. Who's from Denmark uh, recently posted a meme uh, in a few sentences uh, describing basically what this uh, re- report would say. Denmark's minimum wage is 25 an hour. People work 35 a week. The happiest people in the world be like Denmark. And then someone had asked her, "Well, why would someone move here then?" And she had this really—I'm not going to read the whole thing, of course—but just says this eloquent way of saying that yes, Denmark is. I love my country. Or I love that I'm from Denmark. Uh, we have these sort of values. Um, I have to admit that the United States isn't what I thought it was going to be when I moved here 19 years ago. I mean, I didn't come here because the country didn't value women, not because my country is poor, not because of lack of education, but I came here because of, uh, I, it, I had to escape Denmark to pursue my dreams. And so what this post doesn't tell you is that we pay 60 to 70% in taxes and the money that we work for, we never see, unless you go through childbirth, and that's, that's great. But for someone like me, I wanted more, and and D.K. and uh, Denmark could not sustain that. So basically, it's just kind of, this is a livable situation, I guess, but if you wanted something beyond this, you just have to leave the country. Yeah,
2: if you want to be a subhuman uh, uh, drone, it's perfectly fine. Conformity and uniformity, perfect. Thanks for your call, Mark. We'll be right back.
14: then, making conservatism great
2: again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Let's talk about education for a minute. Did you know that more than 15 states have begun requiring high school students to pass a basic citizenship test in order to graduate? It's sad that such a test is even necessary, right? And it shows me that to the extent American civics education even exists anymore, something has gone very wrong with it. Now, that's why, besides their free online courses and Imprimis, Hillsdale College is making an impact in K-12 through education. Here's how. Hillsdale helps found and provides ongoing support and guidance to classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Thousands of elementary and high school students are enrolled already. And Hillsdale does it without taking a single penny of taxpayer funding or money from the schools themselves. It's called the Barney Charter School Initiative, and it's revolutionizing K-12 education. You can learn more at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Watch the brief, powerful video about this exciting work and witness the, dif- the difference Hillsdale is making on thousands of lives across the country. That's levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And by the way, it's a beautiful website. There's a lot going on there, a lot you may want to benefit from. You may want your kids and the rest of the family to benefit from. Check out levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Well, because people want to talk about these subjects we've already addressed, I will just hit this fast. U.S. immigration population hit 60 million. 60 million. It's a huge boom in immigration, writes the Washington Examiner, Paul Bedard. Over the past 16 years, it has jumped to over 43 million in the United States. And when their U.S.-born children are added, the number grows to over 60 million, making the immigrant community nearly one-fifth of the entire population of the United States. One-fifth. Hey, Mark, but don't worry. Uh, you know, the more the merrier. Um Here's another one. Newsweek. It's now been underscored with exclamation mark behind it. In documents it released today, the FBI confirmed that former FBI Director James Comey drafted a statement about the conclusion of the Hillary Clinton email investigation months before interviewing Clinton, writes Newsweek. The records show that on May 2, 2016, You know, that's five weeks earlier. Comey emailed Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, General Counsel James Baker, and Chief of Staff and Senior Counselor James Ribicki. The subject of the email was mid-year exam, and though the email says its contents were unclassified, the body of the email is redacted in the release. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the FBI had said in the past that it didn't have any documents related to this. It didn't have any documents, but it does not does, and it did. Is the FBI a, uh, a wholly independent operation? Again, when I speak of this, I do not speak of all the hard-working men and women in the FBI who actually put their necks on the line. No, I'm talking about the hacks at the top. Now, I wouldn't call them hacks, but for the fact that they are. Pretty amazing, don't you think? And Congress issues subpoenas for information, and Congress can't get that information unless the Attorney General of the United States enforces those subpoenas. And so the Attorney General of the United States needs to enforce the subpoenas against one of his own entities, the FBI. That's how law is supposed to be followed. That's what we mean by law and order, and everybody held equally under the law. But apparently not. Let's continue. Travis, Augusta, Georgia, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hey, Mark. Uh, Thank you for
14: taking the call. I just uh, wanted to make a quick point on the data segment that you did there, the fluff piece. I thought thought it was interesting that they left out the part about. Now, hold on.
2: Now, hold on. This is on Denmark. Uh, I'm sorry? On Denmark, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, Denmark. Yeah, go ahead.
14: Uh, uh, That the uh, piece left out. uh, Forgive me. uh, The piece left out. Uh, military conscri- conscription or mandatory military service. Uh, I thought that was interesting that it would be left out since that is such a wonderful utopia. I don't think that our friends on the left would agree with uh, that sort of enactment uh, in- here in our country.
2: So they left out a ton of key information, didn't they, Travis?
14: Uh, absolutely.
2: All right. Thank you for your call. So you have the Today Show on NBC, Pushing Socialism pushing the Denmark example, lying about what's taking place in Denmark by omission. And, of course, they're absolute hypocrites because there's not a single highly paid individual on that program who's ever uh, got involved in the contract negotiations, entered contract negotiations, demanding the same salary as a police officer or a firefighter or a teacher or what have you. If they love Denmark so uh, so much, why don't they show us, by example, how it works? Jason, Melbourne, Florida, the great WMMB. Go.
14: Hi, Mr. Levin. Thank you for taking my call. All you right. Bet. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell, Senator McConnell, has had a position that very few senators in this country have had. He has been given the opportunity to go ahead... And follow through with the president's agenda who is basically within the same political party, and he has done his best to work against this president who is standing for the American people. Now, in doing so, he is basically empowered the Democrats, not so much Democrats, but basically the Liberal Party. He is empowering them. And I actually feel sorry for Senator Paul. But uh, Mitch McConnell is atrocious.
2: Bottom line is... Um... You should be you should be graded on your accomplishments or your failure to have accomplishments. And in that, he gets an F. So it's time for him to go. Moreover, the fact that the Republicans have a majority in the Senate isn't due to his notion that we have to nominate people who can win. We don't know who can win in advance. And we have a number of conservative states with rhino senators because some of them have open primaries and other reasons including they raise an enormous amount of money and they lie to the voters about where they stand. And Mitch McConnell has done that over and over again. So, uh, you, you know, I don't know. It seems to me when you run for office, you should have as your primary objective to save the republic or restore the republic and promote individual liberty. I never hear Mitch McConnell talk about promoting liberty. Have you ever heard him talk about promoting liberty?
14: Oh, no. And uh, if I could, um, promoting liberty...
7: Yeah,
2: Because right.
14: you're the man who wrote the book. This kind of ties in, and I will do my best to tie it in, but it's kind of off track. But in Plunder and Deceit, yeah. Mr. Levin, I am 46 years old.
2: Yeah.
14: I'll be honest with you. It concerns me. The younger generation of millennials, and I appreciate the fact when I listen to your show, you do your best. And draw them in and steer them right. But the fact of the matter is, sir, Mm-hmm. They have been plundered and deceived. What happens when they figure it out they've been deceived and plundered? I'm sorry to
2: say this but Might be might be too late.
14: It's I'm sorry, I agree.
2: You never know. Alright, my friend, I appreciate your call. Let's keep rolling along here before the end of the program. Tony, Miami, Florida on the Mark Levin app. Go. Hi, Mark. Thanks for taking the call. Listen, yes, sir. Uh,
0: This issue about the Danes being the happiest people in the world, I, I had the opportunity about a year and a half ago to speak to a couple of Danes where I work, and I asked yeah. them exactly about this. Mm-hmm. It, and, you know, I, they actually do believe that they're happy when they tell you they're happy. But the issue is that that is what they're told ever since they're little. They tell them happiness is that we provide your health care and we provide your schooling, and therefore you don't have to worry about these things giving you happiness, making you uh, free to be able to live your life without these worries. And that, to them, is the definition of happiness. They have a completely different definition of happiness than we do over here. And and their happiness includes 70% of them having to ride a bicycle and living for in an apartment that's about a thousand feet uh, living space, but uh-huh. they're told that they are happy because they have free health care and free insurance uh-huh. uh, or free uh, schooling
2: yeah, so in other words, they're told happiness is a big, ubiquitous centralized state uh, which which dehumanizes them.
0: But they don't realize it. You I, see, I know, it was- because
2: they redefine happiness. They, 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 they're indoctrinated.
10: Exactly.
2: On the other hand, with their alcohol rate and their suicide rate, I mean, uh, somehow that was left out of the Today Show NBC report. So, uh, I mean, human nature is human nature. People want things for free. There's no question about it. But in the end, if you dehumanize the individual, then what are they?
0: Uh, automatons is what they are. Exactly. In exactly. Their mind, they're happy. You know, I mean, uh, that's, that's the uh, secret to their happiness. Not realizing.
2: Happy <laughs> and <laughs> drunk.
0: Really, you know,
2: exactly. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let's continue. Oh, let's go to Brian in Baltimore, Maryland, the great WCBM. Go.
9: Hey, Mark. How are you tonight?
2: Good. How are you?
9: I'm good. Hey, I just wanted to relay a message to you. Um, as I've alluded to before, that I work, my fire department's in a really liberal county that's across the river from the bunker, so you know where I'm talking about.
2: Yes, I do. I was do. in an
9: event yesterday. That,
2: that would be Montgomery County, Maryland, ladies and gentlemen. Just guessing, but go ahead.
9: <laughs> maybe, maybe not. No, I cannot yes. confirm nor deny.
2: <laughs> of course not.
9: I was at an event yesterday uh for work, and... uh This goes to show how out of touch Mitch McConnell is with regards to everything that he says. The man has a proven track record of backing losers and not backing winners, and he thinks that we need to get behind people who can win, yet he constantly refuses to get behind the ones who win. But meanwhile, the Libs, the leftists, this event, the congressman from Maryland was there, and they were speaking to a crowd of – it was a, a festival celebrating the diverse population of the county. And this guy who supposedly swore an oath to the Constitution stood up there and told the the full crowd of clapping seals that they were going to continue to fight for the Dreamers and they were going to continue to ensure that DACA remains the law of the land. It's showing his ignorance that it's not a law, it's an executive order, and showing – and given the fact that it is not – you know, he's violating his oath to defend the Constitution by supporting something that's clearly unconstitutional.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: And if Mitch McConnell and the rest of these clowns in leadership don't understand what we're up against, there's it will be too late.
2: What exactly have the Republicans done or even tried to do to control this? They've Absolutely done, nothing.
9: That's our frustration. Give us the House. We give them the House. Give us the Senate. We give them the Senate. We need the presidency. You get the presidency. And they've done even less. With all three branches. And,
2: and even your governor, you know, he, he's better than these left-wing kooks, but your governor's a liberal.
9: Yeah, well, yeah, and that's granted, yes, you're correct. And it is better than the left-wing
2: kooks. He's side. just not a radical liberal.
9: Exactly. To what degree are they better? It's like saying, you know, what's better, death by poisoning or death by uh, electric chair?
2: Right. You know. All right, man. I, I always appreciate your call, Brian. And give my best to all the firefighters there. You take care. Let's continue. Frank, Brick, New Jersey, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Uh, it's an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. I'm a loyal Thank you. listener. Uh, by, by the I way, Frank, I, 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 let me ask you this. Why would NBC Today Show do a show on Denmark? Uh, is that like white racism or something? I mean, they're all white people.
4: Well, actually, they are. And in my time that I spent in Denmark, I had a girlfriend there and actually spent time there when I was young and single. They don't like immigrants coming in too. So that's another thing that they didn't report on NBC today. They, Mm -hmm. uh, primarily a blonde-haired, brown-eyed race. So, uh, that's something that they seem to to
2: leave out. But, um, so kind of like, kind of like Martha's Vineyard, you might say.
4: I would say so. Pretty much. Uh, but not all of them. The girl I dated, her father, uh, was the chief engineer for the power plant that uh, produced power for Hamburg, Germany, and Aarhus, Denmark. He was also the mayor of the town. And he told me he pays nine, over 90% taxes. And he lived in a really, really nice house, and and, and his kids had good education. But, it, it, you know, he wasn't happy because there's people that do only work five hours a, a week there, and they all live in railroad flats, like in apartments. And then they just drink all day, so it's not mm-hmm. utopia like the like the like the, Denver, the people. Well, let Mar- me correct
2: this. It's not Martha, been more like Hyannisport then.
4: Yeah, yeah, well, I guess like the Kennedys, you
2: know. Well, but, certainly the offspring. <laughs> it's
4: true. I mean, it's a beautiful place, and there are people there that they love their country, but they they, they work really really hard. And they're paying for all the people that work five hours a day, oh, and yeah. they go drink all night. Believe me. I mean, it, it was beautiful. I had a great time there. You know, she, she was gonna, actually going to come here, and we were going to get married. But she, you know, she was afraid to come here, and I couldn't live there. I mean, we went to a museum one time. I'm like, is it a holiday today? She goes, no, honey, there's only five million people in this country. This is a regular day. I'm like, ah, I can't live here, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
7: So
4: I just wanted to bring that point.
2: Like, Great call, Frank. You see me. All right. V- very, very interesting. I appreciate your call. NBC, naughty, naughty. We'll be right back.
7: Mark Levin.
2: Showing very, very quickly, in my humble opinion, our excellent interview with... Uh, Israeli Ambassador Ron Dermer, not because of me, because of him, uh, is up on our Facebook and Twitter sites. That would be Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. Also, you can go to the Mark Levin Show website. It's there. And I would strongly encourage you to listen to it and circulate it to as many people as possible on your email list because of what he says about Iran vis-à-vis the United States, vis-à-vis the Middle East and Europe and so forth. I mean, so thoroughly and completely articulate I just think it's worth it, and and he praises the President on numerous occasions for his courage on this, and he's right. You know, the Equifax breach that impacted roughly 143 million customers just got bigger. They've now added 2.5 million people to that list. Now, if that's not bad enough, Yahoo announced that their 2013 breach, that impacted all 3 billion user accounts, triple the original estimate. Now, you should know, once your personal information has been exposed, it doesn't go away. Identity thieves can buy your information on the dark web for months, even years after a breach. They can use it to commit crimes in your name, even steal from your 401k. Now's the time to get protection. Sign up for LifeLock today. They use proprietary technology to detect a wide range of identity threats, and they'll alert you if your information's being used. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock can help you see more than if you're just monitoring your credit, and I would say LifeLock is the best. So go to LifeLock.com, LifeLock.com, or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK. Either case, use promo code LEVIN, that's L-E-V-I-N, for 10% off your LifeLock membership. Visit LifeLock.com, save 10%. Use Levin promo code. Look, you got to protect your own data, your own information. The government's not very good at it, especially when, as you saw on Levin TV the other night, uh, so many entities, departments, and agencies of the federal government are buying, listen to this, are buying software from a Russian company. If you watch Levin TV, you know all about it. Bought software from a Russian company that had within the software that everybody was buying the ability of Russian spies, Russian spies, to gather the data that you impl- that you put in your computer and you know who discovered it israeli intelligence israeli intelligence was watching russian intelligence hackers actually get into the software utilize the software in real time to gather information from among others and in particular we the americans our american government and the israeli spies alerted the americans us To what the Russian spies were doing. I did a whole thing on this on Levin TV. It's absolutely shocking. Shocking. LifeLock.com. That's the best I can do for me. It's the best you can do for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. See you on Levin TV in two minutes. See you on the radio tomorrow. God bless you. Thank you. And be well.